listening to the Living Worship Podcast with Pastor Cameron Diamond. I'm here at Jonesville Baptist Church in Newberry, Florida. And we're going to get back into the Gospel of Matthew. Um, now we're starting in on Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to spend a good amount of time on the Sermon of the Mount. Um, and we're going to talk about kind of why that is today and over the next few weeks. But I'm going to set the scene for you. So Jesus at this point, right, he's, he's been healing, he's been teaching. His main message has been repent because the kingdom of heaven is coming. And he has drawn lots of people around them. Uh, currently, he has four disciples, um, James and John, and you got Peter and Andrew. And everyone wants to hear his teaching. And, and so primarily, if you can picture it, right, he is up on this mountain and he he's in a spot where most people are going to be able to hear him uh, decently good. You know, of course, he didn't have microphones or anything like that. You know, and uh, so he's teaching his disciples. He's teaching these greater crowds. Um, and he's building on this theme of repent because the kingdom of heaven is coming. And so he starts here with the Beatitudes, which um, was kind of like a, a, a Jewish um, poem uh, style back then that they would have understood as a way that rabbis would have taught. And so it says in Matthew 5, verse 1, when he, taught, when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed. When they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me, be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, all this is great. I mean, it's very poetic. It's very nice. It probably look really good on a coffee mug or a shirt. But unlike how some speakers will take this and they'll break everything down, you know, bit by bit and just kind of focus on the meekness or focus on the mourning. And some of them, I mean, I've heard preachers, you know, go several weeks on just each verse, you know, and, and more power to them. But when Jesus said this, right, he, he said it all at one time and he expected the crowd around him to just immediately know what he was talking about. And so we can look at this and, and if we can um, break it down a little bit, but really keep in mind the greater thought here. I think we're going to get more out of it. So let's grab a couple of these just to demonstrate how we might do something like this, um, and then we'll keep going. And so, uh, for instance, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Um, well, something that you might not know as an English speaker in the West 2,000 years later, um, that phrase in Greek to the Jews back then um, was something that they would say as in being faithfully dependent upon God. You know, so it's not this idea where you are spiritually bankrupt. It's this idea that um, you are depending on God for all of your spiritual power and strength. And that's not immediately apparent when you read this in English. Um, 
but it gives it a whole different meaning there. So, blessed are those who are faithfully dependent upon God, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, something you'll see here is it has um, an idea across all of these. These are motivations and intentions of the heart, and then rewards. But understand, it's not plural rewards. It's reward, right? All of these are really the same reward. These are all motivations and intentions of the heart that Jesus requires for those who are going to be following him. All right, so let's look at another one. What does it mean by those who mourn? What are they mourning? You know, some of my students um, wanted to go the route of saying that it's mourning the death of a loved one or something like that, right? God's going to comfort them. Well, that's certainly a good promise. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily wrong, um, but I think it's missing more of the focus that Jesus has when he's delivering this to people. Um, he's talking about sin, right? He's been talking about repentance. And so it's mourning the personal sin of their own. It's mourning the brokenness of the world and the rebellion of mankind. It's it's that kind of mourning. And so this idea of being comforted is this idea of everything being brought together again and remade. So it's not some consolation prize kind of comforted when you lose a loved one. But it's this idea that it's not just comforted. I mean, this is like God-level comfort. Like everything's going to be made right kind of comfort. And then, at least for some of the kids in my group, right, this idea of blessed are the peacemakers. Well, how far do we go on peacemaking? What does that mean? Well, you can look at Romans twelve eighteen, And... Paul clarifies that for us a bit, and he says um, that as far as it depends upon you, be at peace with everyone. So it is our responsibility to always be seeking the goodness and the peace of the people around us. Um, you know, Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to have peace in every relationship, but that's going to mean that you live a life of integrity, of seeking the good of others, no matter what that looks like. And then whether or not they reciprocate that, you know, you're going to let God vindicate that if they do not do as God might require. Or humility. All right, and I'll have you look this up. But Jesus is actually quoting from Psalm 37, verses 9 and 11. You know, this is kind of humility that you are constantly setting yourself aside. Again, for the goodness of other people. The kind of humility that says, God, I'm about your plan, your bigger plan. And so I'm not going to strive to try and create heaven on earth with political or military might. Instead, I'm going to build your kingdom as you have required me, which is by telling other people about Jesus and bringing them to saving knowledge and power. That's it. It's what God has called us to do, to just preach the gospel and not rely so much on the political systems or the military might uh, that the people around us, I mean, they, they practically worship these days. Uh, but as Christians, we can't be about that, right? We can appreciate a, a solid political system. We can vote in a way that we think is right, you know. Um, obviously, the Bible gives us a, exactly the way that God intended us to live, so we should vote according to that. But we should also not be surprised when it doesn't go that way, when um, men and, and women who are, are not saved 
want to go a different direction in our culture, don't be surprised by it, right? And, and don't be so defeatist about it because ultimately you're going to be comforted. You're going to be vindicated one day, right? You know, all of human history has just been the cycle of uh, humans turn to God and then dipping back into really terrible sin and then their civilizations, civilizations are destroyed and then another civilization kind of rises up. And it's just this ebb and flow. But Christianity and this belief in the Lord is constant. It's because the Lord sustains us no matter what country, culture, political system we are in. Our trust is in the Lord, not in our country. And we trust that God is going to make his kingdom, which will be perfect in every way, in his timing. And we can rejoice in that. We can celebrate in that. Um, and so we don't have to get depressed when our country makes decisions we don't like. You know, um, we, we can rejoice that God's plan is far better and uh, long-lasting than anything that we're experiencing now in our country. You know, so if you have any questions about that, I'd, I'd love to talk with you. You can email me at Cameron at com. But here it is. All right. So this is what Jesus has said about how we are to live. And as I was studying this, I, 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 something I encourage you to do is I wrote it in my own words. You know, I, I wanted to be faithful to the text, but I wanted to write it in a way that made sense to me. I'm trying to make sense of what Jesus was telling me to do and what my motivations ought to be. And then what the, you know, the rewards are um, for following Jesus in a way that he has required of me. So here's what I have. And yours, when you do it, it might be a little different. I'd love to see it. But here's what I have. It says, those who live with faithful dependence on God, who mourn their sin and the brokenness of the world, who build God's kingdom instead of their own, who want God more than food or water, who have pure intentions, who pursue peace and do these things in the face of potential severe punishment, they will be able to live in God's redeemed creation, not need to worry about sin or its effects, for they will be gone. They will live in a world where political and military power struggles will be gone. They'll be able to see God face to face. They'll be adopted by God into his family, and they will be rewarded by God. So here's what I'm going to leave you with. A couple questions. And I know this is a short episode. And that's okay. Because I hope I'm giving you a lot to think about as we enter into this study on chapter 5. Um, but two questions for you. All right. Is your life marked by these attributes? Because even though we, we talked about these things kind of quick. And, and I mean these are only a few verses. It's, it's 11 verses here. But are, is your life marked by these things? That Jesus outlines for us. Like he is really, I mean, when you look at this, he's referencing the Ten Commandments. And he's talking about, it's not just about the law and following the law, but it's about your heart. The things that you want and, and your want-tos have to change. So is your thought life marked by these attributes? And are you excited about the life to come? Are you excited about all, all of these things that we get to look forward to as believers? I hope you are. I definitely am. All right, so I'll catch you next week. Take care.